On today's show, Howard Beck joins to talk about free agency. What's going on with Draymond Green? Nas Reed signs with the Wolves. The Suns are keeping DeAndre Ayton. James Harden's going to stay with the Sixers. Is anyone moving Howard Beck? We'll talk about that and some of the trades from last week on today's Locked on NBA. Let's go. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Thanks for being part of the show and making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. Be an everydayer. Subscribe and follow for free. Just search Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Joining me as always on a Monday, Locked On NBA insider, writer at GQ, overall NBA media legend. It is my honor to say the three most important words in niche basketball podcasting. What up, Beck? <laughs> What's happening, Nick? Good to be joining you again on a Monday morning. Good to see you. Lots, lots, lots to talk about in this uh, little interregnum between the draft and free agency. Oh, I love this week. It's it's just full of rumors. It's full of ridiculousness. I'm I'm about to mute the words Damian and Lillard on Twitter. Like I ju- I think I just can't handle it. <laughs> you may have to mute me for about ten minutes on this podcast today if that's the case. Okay, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll talk. We'll go run around the league and talk about if there's anything, um, any any movement around all those players I mentioned before. And then I kind of, if we have time, I'll talk about some of those trades that happened last week and get Beck's opinion on the Chris Paul trade to Golden State. How's that going to work out? The Borzingas trade to Boston. Marcus Smart to to Memphis. We'll get into all that today. So let's start here. All right, we might as well start with with Damian Lillard. Uh, there's reports and rumors all over the place. It seems like there's two rivaling factions, the Blazers camp and the Lillard camp, and reporters are getting, you know, lines from both sides, it feels like. Is Damian Lillard upset about what the Blazers did over the weekend with the draft, or are is he fine? Is he going to stay? Do we, what's the latest we heard on Damian Lillard then? Um, I'm going to have a piece up, I think, later today on GQ Sports just about kind of setting the table for where things are going in the off season in general. And Damian Lillard is central to the entire off season plot. Mm. Um, there are people in the league who believe that he is the first domino. If there's going to be a domino at all. And granted, as we sit here recording on a Monday morning, we still don't know exactly what Damian Lillard's feelings were about the draft and about the fact that the Blazers did not flip what became the Scoot Henderson pick into veteran help. Um, so who knows? We we may have yet another offseason of, to your point about wanting to mute the whole discussion and possibly <laughs> muting me, yeah, we may go through another offseason where we're going, oh, hey, let's talk about all these places Amy Lillard could go and whether he should go, blah, blah. And at the end of it all, maybe he's still in Portland. Um, I get the sense from people around the league that not only is he the person they're keeping their eye on most, who, who possibly might be the most significant figure to move this summer, but that um, – teams look at what's going on there as kind of this standoff. It's a staring contest, right? The Blazers don't want to trade Damian Lillard unless they have to. And have to means Damian Lillard asks for it. And on the other side of it, Damian Lillard doesn't want to be the guy who makes the trade demand. He's always styled himself as the guy who is loyal and sticks it out through thick and thin. But Damian Lillard has also conveyed in various ways over the last couple months that he doesn't want to stick around for a rebuild. He's clearly, clearly telegraphed that what he really wants them to do is go all in on the present. They're not doing that. They kept the pick. They drafted Scoot Henderson, who also, by the way, has a lot of overlap with Damian Lillard positionally and, and skill set wise. Um, 
obviously very different in terms of the way they apply their skills, but still both are going to be guys with the ball in their hands. Most of the time um, they didn't trade the pick that became Shaden sharp last year. They have not traded Anthony Simons. They have not done anything to, to improve their immediate future. And that's not to cast any doubt on what Scoot Henderson could be. I'm very high on Scoot Henderson and I think he's going to be great, but most guys who come in as rookies, 19, 20 years old, need some time. That's why youth doesn't win in this league. And Damian Lillard is, you know, the clock is ticking. He's in his mid-30s. And so, like, we know what the situation is. We know. So the question becomes, is anybody going to blink in all of this? Is Dame – I don't want to say the Blazers are, like, kind of calling his bluff or, or pushing him into a corner or whatever or that they want this to happen. I think they're probably just doing whatever they think is best in the moment, but they're clearly, clearly Nick, they are not going all in on trading youth and picks for veterans to help Dame Lillard win right now, at least as of now that could change. You know, maybe they resign Jeremy Grant. Maybe they still trade in for Simons. Maybe they somehow offload Nurkic and get help. I don't know what the, the plan is, but it doesn't look like they are going that direction as we speak. So that logically leads us to wonder about Lillard wanting out. And that logically leads us to Brooklyn and Miami, two teams that when asked recently on Showtime with Brian Custer, <laughs> Dame did not dismiss the possibility that that would be exciting, right? He immediately said, oh, Miami would be great. I love Bam Adebayo. That's my guy. Oh, Mikael Bridges, that's my guy. So I, I don't know, and I'm not going to make a prediction, but I, I do think there's a lot of belief around the league from other teams that this thing is starting to reach its its tipping point. The tipping point with Damian Lillard, the tipping point with the Blazers, who's the one that, that's getting tipped? Well, <laughs> who's, who's being tipped the most right now? The tipping point is the fact that they have this standoff, and at some point, somebody is going to, to make a move. Either the Blazers say, we're going to trade him and go all in on the pres- on, on uh, the future, or Lillard cracks and says, it's, it's time. And maybe they find a way to you know, massage this so that it, nobody has to be the bad guy. Cause that's what it feels like. It feels like nobody wants to be the bad yeah. guy in all of this. Well, it happened in the Beal situation too, where it didn't feel like either side wanted that. And then all of a sudden now. Yeah. He's but in the Phoenix. Lillard one is, yeah, but the Lillard one is harder because Lillard uh, one is a way better player than Bradley Beal. <laughs> so a lot harder to part with because you don't want to part with all time greats. He's also the greatest blazer in history. I don't know where Bradley Beal ranks in all time. Great bullets slash wizards but it's pretty far down the list he's not at dame's level um it's not that far down the list well <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's more about washington than fair point um <laughs> so you know the, these are these are different situations they're they're the same in that they're in both cases it's felt overdue right they should have traded beal years ago yeah. you could argue that they should have traded dame a year or two ago not quite as bad a situation. And, and again, the Blazers have had more success than the Wizards too. So I do make some distinction between the two. Um, you know, and Beal was on a terrible contract. He's vastly overpaid. No one cares about what Lillard is making. He's worth it. So, you know, I think um, th- it's more about the delicate nature of this dance and that that Lillard holds a stature in Portland and with that franchise that makes it hard to just wake up one day and do the cold-hearted pragmatic thing and say this is best for everyone's future but it's got to be apparent to all parties right now that what's best for the Blazers long term and what's best for Dame short term is for them to part ways I, I don't I don't see how you can reach any other conclusion 
given where the roster is right now and given where the Western Conference is. Like, again, we have a lot of offseason to go. I don't want to prejudge, but I just don't see a path for them. If you had to to bet, just or let's say this, what feels what feels different about this situation and Damian Lillard and the Blazers now than in the past? Where you know what what is what has changed? I guess is it just that Damian Lillard's a little bit more frustrated? The Blazers are a little bit younger than than they used to be. Is it just like everything's coming to a point and now we're just closer to the point than we were like thirty days ago or a year ago or whatever? Or what has changed recently? I think what's changed most is that on July 15th, Damian Lillard's going to be 33. <laughs> um, like that's it. Like every year that goes by the urgency to win increases every year that goes by is another that, that you, and in the last two years, he hasn't even made the playoffs every season that goes by that you don't make the playoffs or that you're not a high caliber playoff team is a, is a burned year. And you're that much closer to the end. And he just came off of statistically one of his best seasons. He was fantastic. But as we know in this league, you never, especially with, with smaller guards, you never know when you're going to just going to kind of like fall off the cliff athletically or otherwise. And so he can't afford to waste time. And, you know, you're patient at 30 and a little less patient at 31, and a little less patient at 32. And now again, he's going to be 33 in a couple of weeks. Your patient has patience has to run out at some point on top of it all. The Blazers have made some good moves toward their post-Dame future, right? Yeah. Like Shaden Sharp's a good player. Simons is, is a pretty good player. Scoot Henderson could be a franchise star. So they're, you know, it, it feels like they're more invested in what's coming after Dame than, than what's going on with Dame, unless you think all these young guys are going to blossom immediately and be ready to win immediately. And again, the history of the NBA says that's not the case. And that's where we are with it. And uh, Mike Richmond of Lockdown Blazers, the Lockdown Blazers show, uh, coined the term whoops all guards, which is just like the whoops all berries from, from Kevin Crunch, which is kind of what the Blazers are right now. So it does feel like we're at some sort of an impasse. We'll see what happens. He'll have you covered on Lockdown Blazers. We'll have you covered here on Lockdown NBA when anything happens. So, all right, Beck, you convinced me. Maybe I won't mute Damian and, and Lillard on Twitter. I'll, I'll keep it open and I'll just I'll allow all the rumors and reports to just flood my timeline. <laughs> You might miss something otherwise. This 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 time, this time, it might actually be the time when it happens. Oh, it hasn't worked for anybody, but maybe it'll work for us. Coming up, let's get into some other rumors. Draymond Green, Nas Reed comes back to the Wolves. What happens with Cat? What happens with Gobert? Uh, the Suns are keeping Aiden, I guess. And we'll talk about all that and more coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about eBay Motors. eBay Motors knows that if you want a championship team, like the Blazers and Damian Lillard want a championship team, but he knows that every player has to fit just right. I don't think that some of these young players are the best fit for him to have some kind of championship team or a, even a playoff team as of right now. But you need players that fit just right, just like every car needs the parts that fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on eBay Motors Dot com. Let's ride. eBay Motors guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions. They will apply. 
Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown NBA, making us part of your day, being part of the show. Appreciate each and every one of you. We have a daily Lockdown show that covers your favorite team every day. Go check out I host Lockdown Mavericks. I mentioned Lockdown Blazers earlier, all five days a week, all throughout the offseason and then into the season as well. Local experts that know the teams better than pretty much anybody. All right, Beck, we're getting into the rest of this, and I just kind of want to run around the league. Let's run around the league, some of the rumors that have happened, and talk about what could happen. Draymond Green has opted out of his player option, but according to Mark Stein and others, he is expected to stay in Golden State. Would you be shocked if he lands anywhere else? Yeah, I'd be shocked. Nobody around the league expects him to go anywhere. And look, um, the concerns or the reasons you might let Draymond walk or that he would walk would be some combination of salary cap worries, and maybe some chemistry issues. Well, they just took care of both of those things. They traded Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. So you no longer have to worry about Poole and Draymond and their history and whether or not there's any lingering tension there. Poole is gone and his big contract is also gone, replaced by Chris Paul's you know large salary, but a large salary that can come off the books after this season. So um, it seems pretty clear that the Warriors are heading in a direction where they're going to re-sign Draymond to a new deal. Um, I never got any sense that with the exception of, of Bob Myers stepping away, that the Warriors were ready to break up, you know, the, this incredibly successful core, um, Steve Kerr is still there. Steph Curry still there. Clay Thompson's still there. And I think Draymond's still going to be there as well. Uh, yeah. Now all you just have to worry about is the Chris Paul and the rest of the Warriors chemistry, because they've had some, they've had (laughs) run-ins in the past where there have been vulgarities thrown at him. Uh, Another uh, actual news break, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Timberwolves center Nas Reed agreed to a three-year, $42 million deal with a player option at the end of this deal. Now the Timberwolves will pay about $90 million in centers next year. That'll raise like $110 million the year after that. Uh, What gives Howard Beck? Will there be any changes in Minnesota, or are they just excited to get Nas Reed on what I think is a pretty fair deal for him? But in context, having Cat. 36 million this year, probably 50 million the year after that. Uh, and then Rudy Gobert with his deal. Uh, are there going to be any moves in Minnesota or are they just going to run it back with all these centers making all this money? I, I wouldn't read this deal as, oh, the Timberwolves are definitely trading Cat, but it doesn't mean they're not trading Cat. Like, I, I it's like it, these, these things might, it might be related, not immediately. Um, the sense I got from people over the weekend, just asking about, you know, where they think the, the wolves are going in general um, and, you know, and just where the league's going. I was just trying to kind of like figure out like which of all these big, big names we're talking about are actually going to move this summer. I think the sense that people get is that the Timberwolves are not prepared to make another blockbuster so soon after the disaster of the go bear deal. Right. And so far it's a disaster. Um yeah, everybody was very skeptical across the league that Gobert and Towns made sense together, but they really only got you know a third of a season to even test it out. So the sense is that they're going to want to at least give it a shot, and if things aren't going well in you know October, no- November, December, then maybe you start entertaining Carl Anthony Towns trades, but maybe not immediately. And if you do trade him, and assuming you don't get back a big, Nas Reed can plug right in at power forward next to, to Rudy Gobert. Nas Reed, undrafted, developed by them, great, uh, you know, very good young player who, look, in this league where almost everybody's always over the cap and it's hard to just replace guys outright, 
you got to protect your assets too. So the first thing, the first reaction here should not be Towns is gone because they they kept Nas Reed and now they've got all this money on the books at the four and five spots. No, it's more that regardless of what you think your future is with these guys, you need to protect the asset, especially a player that you developed. You can always trade Nas Reed later. Every team in the league would love to have him. Um, or maybe you're trading Towns later and then you're using, you know, plugging Nas and Reed into, into his spot. Either way, this was the logical thing to do, and they got him on a good good deal. And he's a player that can play with both of those guys at the same time, right? Like, he can he can stretch the floor and shoot, so he can play with Gobert, and he can rebound a little bit, and so you can play with Towns. Like, he can, he can do yeah. both things. And so if you needed a backup, backup center or a backup big that can, you know, spell one of those guys or even step in if those guys are missing games, Nas Reed is a really, really good option. And like you said, he's 23-24, he's undrafted, got to protect the asset. Um Another center that's making a lot of money over in Phoenix is apparently, according to Chris Haynes, not being shopped anymore. They're keeping DeAndre Ayton. First of all, do you buy this? And second of all, is this the best move for the Suns considering the you know not great trades that they were offered for him? It's hard because, you know, Ayton's a max guy who was a former number one overall pick who hasn't obviously um, lived up to expectations and, and billing. But he's still a really good two-way center, and there just aren't that many of those in the league. So are there a lot of teams that could really use DeAndre Ayton? Hello, Dallas. Um, yeah, um, there are, there, and there are several others. Uh, Ma- the Mavericks are the first ones that always come to mind when I think about where <laughs> Ayton would, would best land. It has nothing uh, to do I, with me. It has nothing to do with you. Don't, <laughs> uh, don't flatter yourself. Um, <laughs> but I do think that trading him is difficult for a couple reasons. Uh, one... He's a max guy who hasn't lived up to expectations. So no matter how valuable he may be in context, oh, hey, he's with the rare two-way big. How much, are, how much are teams willing to give up to get him, given that you're going to have to take on that contract? And if they're not giving up enough, then the Suns don't have much incentive to deal him. But from the Suns' aspect of this, all right, look, yes, they need defense. Yes, they need size. They also need depth. And by trading essentially two players, Chris Paul and Landry Shamit for one and Bradley Beal, they 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 basically took their their lack of depth and made it even less. <laughs> they, they just have more nothing. shallow. They're more shallow now. <laughs> they're they're as shallow as can be. Um, they're probably just going to resign all their own free agents, assuming all those free agents mm-hmm. want to stay. But trading DeAndre Ayton to me, the the benefit of it is that you can break up that contract into multiple smaller ones and hope uh, you know hopefully replenish some of your depth. Um. It doesn't look like that's going to happen immediately, but I, 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 this is another one where I wouldn't rule it out happen, rule, rule out it happening eventually. Another uh, rumor over the weekend was that James Harden is now expected to return to the 76ers. I thought he was going to go to Houston. I thought we were going to have to figure out all that, but according to Mark Stein, after a meeting with Nick Nurse, James Harden has now been convinced to come back to Philadelphia. Uh, what about Nick Nurse is so alluring that it made James Harden want to come back, Howard Beck? He's a pretty good guitar player from what I hear. <laughs> Um, and he's got cool hats with his initials on it. So we have the David Griffin piano thing with Zion, and now we have the Nick Nurse guitar thing with, with James yeah. Harden. As the- <laughs> you know what? When in doubt, serenade your stars. <laughs> I've always said this. I've never said this. Mark Cuban's coming out with a pan flute to, to bring, make sure Luka Doncic stays. <laughs> um, the, the, so, number one, James Harden back to Houston never made a lick of sense. Not for him, not for the Rockets, not for anybody. The only way it made sense is if Harden just wanted to go back because he loved the clubs in Houston, which apparently was the main allure. So I don't, I never really believed that that was where he was headed. And I don't think people around the league really ever bought that deeply into that 
either. It's always made more sense to just, you know, you could get paid more staying in Philly. You're tying yourself to Joel Embiid. You can chase rings. You, you haven't won. You still need to win. That's always been the most logical conclusion. So I, Nick Nurse or no Nick Nurse. I mean, I, I do think there might have been a hard and Doc Rivers thing, but I, I don't I don't know that it mattered who he, you know, if he's meeting with the coach or not. I think it was just more a matter of like this. This is just the more logical decision. Nick Nurse, small purse, Uno reverse, doesn't matter. Sixers coming back. James Harden, who knows? Uh, all right, let's come back and we'll talk about the Porzingis trade. We'll talk about the Chris Paul trade. We'll talk about all that and get Howard Beck's opinion on all that coming up. All right, Beck, we talked about the free agency, all the things that could be moving and shaking, and now let's talk about the things that have moved and shook. The Chris Paul trade to Golden State. I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. There was a uh, like a video of Chris Paul over the weekend, and he had like a little Chiron on the bottom, and it said, Warriors guard. And I was like, I that does not look right to me. It just looks so weird. The Warriors get Chris Paul. Washington Wizards now have Jordan Poole. And they got a first round pick that's protected in 2030, which is not a real year uh, from the from the Golden State Warriors. What are your first initial thoughts and your reaction to Chris Paul and Golden State? And how does that work? I can confirm 2030 does not actually exist. It's a fake year. That's re- that's that sounds weirder than Chris Paul, Golden State Warrior. Um, I like the deal. Uh, look, there are. The Warriors, like, there's a lot of risk in this, right? Like, Jordan Poole is young. Jordan Poole is coming off a, a horrific season by most measures, but Jordan Poole is a really good, uh, really good scorer. Can play a lot of minutes. Creative with the ball in his hands. He was that rare bit of of youthful energy that they had. But the contract they gave him a year ago, less than a year ago, um, looks like an overpay right now. Uh, he sometimes feels like he fits with with what the Warriors do. He did help them win a championship a year ago. And sometimes he doesn't feel like he fits at all. And the bottom line is, and you've heard me say this a bazillion times, and I will continue to say it, when you have Steph Curry, you have to be all in on right now. This is the lesson that the, the Blazers should have been learning and the lesson that the Lakers eventually learned by, you know, trying to, to fix their roster around LeBron. You have to be all in when you have these guys. And so Chris Paul is the all-in move. Chris Paul is the... He's 38. We don't know how many miles are left. We don't know how much production is left. We don't know how many minutes we can play him. But the dude is an all-time great. He's a Hall of Famer. He can still impact a game. He can still impact winning. He's a great playmaker, great table setter, great leader. And we'll have him run our second unit. And if Moody and Kuminga are still there, that's a guy who can maybe get the best out of their youth too. Yeah, there's some weird history between Chris Paul and the Warriors, whatever. Like I've been around long enough to know like NBA rivalries and tensions and bitterness and all this you get a chance to win a championship and the guy you hated yesterday is on your team. You like him today. <laughs> it's the Matt Barnes to, to the Lakers one. I will always remember go. that clip of Matt Barnes throwing the, the ball in Kobe's face with like the, you know, the fake pass. And then the next year he was on the team. So it was like, Hey, any, anything can happen in the NBA at this point. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around Chris Paul, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson all playing together at this stage in their career trying to defend on offense. I can see it working on on defense. I'm having a hard time just seeing that trio working. Can they, can they make this new pairing with, with Chris Paul and Golden State work if they can't play that three guard lineup as often as they they'll need to. Well, I mean, listen, we'll see how Steve Kerr manages this once it all happens. And once we get into next season, but I mean, I think Chris Paul on day one is the backup point guard. Now Mm -hmm. finishing games, maybe it's Chris Paul and Steph in the backcourt, Clay Wiggins, Draymond. Um, but I think the starting lineup is still Steph, Clay, 
Wiggins, Draymond, Looney. Uh, and then they'll figure it out from there. But I mean, Chris Paul at this stage of his career, I don't think is going to insist on big minutes or insist on a specific role. I think he's probably happy just to be one still out West because for a minute there he was in Washington and I don't think he wants to be that far from his family in LA. No, I mean, listen, the, the Wizards situation aside, like Chris Paul's goal, I'm confident of this has yeah. been to be as close to LA and his family as possible at right. this stage of his career and his life. So he's now, you know, a, a, a quick flight away in the Bay area. He's got, he's playing with the greatest team of this era and a chance to chase a title. He's, you know, the, the guy, you know, has, has been to one finals and has never won a championship and it didn't look like it was going to happen in Phoenix. It certainly wasn't going to happen in Washington. Um, he'll he'll make whatever sacrifices are necessary. I'm confident. On the wizard side of this, they now get Jordan Poole. They get a, a really like fake future first round pick. It's top 20 protected in 2030. What are your thoughts on the Wizards rebuild so far? They got Jordan Poole. We'll talk about the Porzingis and smart trade with so you can add Tyus Jones to this. What are your and they traded up for uh Blah Koulibaly. In the draft, what are your thoughts on the Wizards' rebuild so far? It's not a rebuild. It's a teardown, and it's what had to happen. It's an overdue course correction after years and years of the owner, Ted Leonsis, hamstringing his front office and not allowing them to trade Beal and holding on to, to John Wall too long and holding on to everything too long, frankly. And this, this front office, the new front office led by Michael Winger, is doing exactly what they needed to do. Was the return on Beal great? No, of course it wasn't. He had a no-trade clause and a horrendous contract <laughs> that might be the worst in the NBA. Um, did you get a ton back for Porzingis outside of Tyus Jones? No, but again, Porzingis could have just opted out and hit free agency and left for nothing. And they managed to leverage it into Tyus Jones. I don't know that they're going to keep Tyus Jones, by the way. Like, best backup point guard in the league the last few years and – you know, a, a, a possible starter, depending on, on where he is. And he'd certainly be the starter for Washington, but they've got Tyus Jones, Monty Morris, DeLon Wright, and Jordan Poole. Like these yeah. guys aren't all staying. Um, the first three of those guys are uh, all in the last year of their contracts too. They're all expiring. So the Wizards could hold on to them and just let them uh, expire at the end of the season and clear the books more, or they could flip them. I, I suspect that at least one, if not multiple of those guys will be, redirected because the the goal for the wizards right now is not only to unclog the cap which they have largely done but to restock or just stock up on draft picks they're 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 going the oklahoma city model and winger once worked for presti so that's that you know and and will dawkins worked for presti the idea is use your cap room smartly stockpile picks use your cap room to take on other people's bad contracts hello jordan pool uh and and extract other considerations, draft picks and whatever along with it. So I think I think the Wizards are doing exactly what they need to do. I like it. Let's move on to the Porzingis, Tyus Jones, Marcus Smart trade, Boston, Washington, and Memphis. Let's start with Porzingis. What are your thoughts on Christoph Porzingis now being the uh, the starting center, starting four next to Al Horford and uh, Rob Williams in Boston? I'm going to address the Marcus Smart part of it first, because I think there are multiple things you could tag as risks in this deal. And the biggest risk is that you just took the guy who was, you know, hashtag heart and soul uh, of the Celtics and Marcus Smart and sent him to Memphis. I think he's going to be phenomenal in Memphis and he's a perfect grit and grind guy. Uh, like I, I love Marcus Smart in terms of like the culture fit, personality fit and all that. But he was important in keeping holding guys accountable in that locker room. He was a really important uh, veteran voice. He was a, a natural leader. Um, plus all the defense and playmaking, everything else 
that Marcus Smart brought. So my first concern is that what is like chemistry is a weird thing in the NBA. Sometimes just swapping out one piece changes up the entire personality of your team. So what are the Celtics without Marcus Smart is the first question I have. Then the second question is how does Porzingis fit? And look, he's a really unique player and he's finally healthy and he's coming off statistically his best season in years. And granted, it was with the team going nowhere, no pressure. It's hard to put too much stock in what Porzingis did in Washington this past season. But that said, we all already knew that when healthy, he's a guy who can score, who's uh, a, a great shot blocker and a three-point shooting seven-foot-three three guy who can help stretch a defense. They can, the Celtics like to play five out sometimes. He should fit. Like, does he make them better when you factor in losing Marcus Smart? I, like, I will find out. But yeah, he can play alongside Al Horford. Maybe can even play alongside Robert Williams the third. Although I'm a little bit iffier on on that. But you've got three bigs now with very distinct skill sets, and it makes their front court that much stronger. And they might lose Grant Williams to free agency. Yeah, uh, they're they're expected to at this point. Uh, that'll be an interesting fit. So you're worried about the the dog and and Marcus Smart going from the dog and Marcus Smart to Chris uh, Porzingis, who once upon a time was the only player to defend Luka Doncic against the Clippers when Marcus Morris and Marky were going after him at that one point in that series. But uh, but other than that, he's not the player to get everybody together to hey we got to wake up. Let's let's everybody you know get together. Marcus Smart was that guy taking the clipboard and, and huddles and things like that. So maybe they'll they'll thrive without that and maybe they'll you know some of the younger players Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need to spread their wings without Marcus Smart there. Uh, but I think they're going to miss that that Marcus yeah. Smart, you know, leadership and Marcus Smart uh like dog for lack, for lack of a better term at this point. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Um you need guys in the locker room to hold everybody else accountable. Remember it was during the year that they went to the finals, it was Marcus Smart who early that season when they were struggling was the first to publicly call out Brown and Tatum for not moving the ball. And this remains a problem for the Celtics. Now, Joe Mazzulla is a young coach who's still trying to find his own voice. And maybe that will just fall to him and his coaching staff. They brought in some good assistants, including Sam Cassell. They've got guys who can hold guys to account. So maybe it'll just fall more to the coaching staff than the locker room. Maybe Malcolm Brogdon, assuming he's still on the roster, starts to exercise his voice a little bit more, although, you know, he just got there a year ago. So, you know, does he have enough standing to do it? Derek White doesn't sound, you know, feel like a, a, a big time personality like that. Al Horford's a leader of sorts, but he's not a rally the troops or call guys out kind of personality. So, yeah, they're going to miss Marcus Smart's voice as well as his defense. Last thing here, how will Marcus Smart work in Memphis? You already said you're pretty you're pretty positive about it. Can a John Morant, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, when John comes back, does that lineup work? You've you've lost a little bit of of size just in terms of height going from Dylan Brooks, who we expect to be gone, to Marcus Smart. But like John Bain, Smart, that's tough, man. Like I I love that I, I love that group together, and Smart and Bain can take on a lot of the the, the defensive assignments that Jaw won't or can't. And also Marcus Smart can hold down the fort for 25 games while John Morant serves that suspension. It's going to be interesting in all these places. Follow Locked on NBA and your favorite show. Uh, We have a show on every single NBA team all throughout going five days a week covering everything. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us on Locked on NBA. Boom.